Hello and welcome to another Octal FM soundbite. Uh, unlike last time when we did this, we uh, when we called it Octal FM light, we've decided and it's Octal FM soundbite. I quite like it. I kind of like light too. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've branded it now. We have, we have. And it's bite spelt with a Y just yeah. to make it more difficult. Yeah, to make it so you can't <laughs> find it as easily on the, on Google. And today we're going to, we're actually both going to have a quick chat about some films that we've seen. I recently went and saw Ready Player One, uh, which is doing phenomenally well at the moment in the cinema. Uh, and you went to see... Uh, the new Pacific Rim film, uh, Uprising, which is not doing phenomenally well in the cinema. <laughs> huh. I mean, yeah, I think it's doing fine, but it's not making any records, that's for damn sure. I, I've never seen any any of the Pacific Rims. Is there more than one? Is there two? The... Yeah, there was the, the. this is the second film. Okay. I, I don't really know even anything about... About them is it is it kind of like transformers yeah it's got that same sort of vibe to it i suppose so like the gist of it is like the elevator pitch is giant robots are fighting giant monsters in like the pacific region hence the name it's like a seven-year-old made a film yeah like <laughs> so the the original for anyone that doesn't know was sort of like a bit of a passion project for uh Guillermo del toro i'm gonna pronounce that name incorrectly close enough you know he's done loads of kind of kind of really cool high profile films and this is sort of just one that he wants to do to sort of like you know get across some of his love so it is it is it loves kind of old monster films sort of like old kaiju films hmm. and there's definitely quite a lot of influence there from like anime and video games and stuff like that as well yeah the the new one is kind of a continuation of the story but the story was very sort of what's the word kind of very definitive the first film sort of didn't need a sequel really like oh, okay. it was very much its own thing and that was sort of it and it's cool that they've done a sequel but it didn't need to have a sequel the first one was was, was really enjoyable uh it was a really kind of streamlined version of what you expected it to be it didn't take itself too seriously it no. very much was about the fun of having big robots fighting big monsters with like big you know epic level uh, stakes you know and like really good good guys and there was no kind of like human bad guy which was nice and refreshing um spoilers um, <laughs> and yeah it was a really refreshing film but the the new one although it's really enjoyable and it's it's a good film for the original aspects of big mo- big monsters fighting big robots it, it sort of lacks the i think a lot of, a lot of people say it lacks the heart of the original uh and it feels okay. a little bit more sort of manufactured and churned out so the what i found going in going in was there was too much going on at once like there was so yeah. much baggage like it felt like there was like at least three different storylines trying to play out a lot amongst each other and lots of other subplots mm. too and i kind of just wanted them to strip a lot of that back and just kind of focus on one the two main there's two main characters there's john boyega's character he, who's the he's the actor that plays uh, finn in the new star wars films and then there's another character who um is like kind of a younger kind of like hacker girl who kind of puts together her own her own mech and it feels like they're almost two different stories with two sort of two different like arcs to them and although they do intersect i'd rather just watch one or the other I'm not necessarily fussed about which one I watch. They were both would be interesting, but not both at the same time trying to compete for screen time sort of thing. Uh, and then there's some other plots going on in the background, which sort of like didn't get a lot of luck in either. And yeah, it just felt very busy and it felt very hacked up, if you know what I mean. I was going to say like, it's, it's not necessarily that bit that you said, but a little bit before that you said like, if it, it's because it's a forced sequel, because you said that, oh, it, the first one stood on its own and was very kind of definitive. And so the sequel... Is just starting on the back foot as, yeah. a, as a result. One of the things that I found from watching a couple of uh, kind of review videos about it is that I believe the main reason this film got made was because there's quite a market for it in China. 
Right, okay. And I think that they they weren't super fussed about having like particularly well-meaning film as long as it was the same sort of action beats to it and had the same sort of like screen presence which it definitely does it still looks really nice one of the things that definitely does above a lot of other kind of action films is that it's like nice and steady camera work it's usually it's almost all in bright daylight so you can see what's going on you know uh, which is really really nice but Mm. it still it just felt manufactured almost rather than created is it um is it all still uh, blue and white coloured, like like the original Pacific Rim? I know there's a there's an article on the web somewhere that talks about um, the colours of films, and Pacific Rim is like the one, the pinnacle of the blue and orange colour casts that we have in all like Hollywood action films once nowadays. You it, yeah. And you can't unsee it once you see it. Like you look at the poster for Pacific Rim, and the only two colours in it are blue and orange. There are no other colours. <laughs> it's really funny. They'd still gone for that same sort of thing. If you look at the movie poster for this, you, you can still see that. But at the same time, it's gone for a bit more variation. <laughs> That's not necessarily the good thing either, okay. because again, it's sort of a little bit less imaginative. It now feels more like those sort of newer Transformer films rather than this kind of like really cool yeah, sort of like indie project that's been blown up almost. Fair enough. Well, from something that was an indie project that's been blown up to something that is definitely not an indie project, I went to see uh, Ready Player One. And it's the book and the f- and subsequently the film, I know have had a lot of controversy about it. There's a lot of words on the internet about Ready Player One. I believe the film, like ignoring the book itself, is like dividing people as well. Like a lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, this is rubbish. I think it's okay. First of all, it's very Steven Spielberg. Like it's, you know, it has some really terribly cringy love scenes that are just like, you, you're just like, oh, it's a Spielberg film. Like that's like, it's just, some of it is super, super lighthearted in that sense to the point of cringiness, which is exactly what you would expect. Yeah. I don't, I definitely don't want to get into, into all of the details of the controversy and stuff. I think that there were definitely bits about it that, made me like uh i'm not sure how i feel about that like hmm. you can enjoy it as a film but it is very very like nerd yeah. stereotype pandering as i know that the book is as well like it's basically like the yeah. biggest nerd wins the day that's a bit of a controversial kind of thing nowadays brings up the whole sort of like gamergate thing we had a few years ago yeah like a few years ago, that would have been totally fine. And now that's considered a little bit unacceptable. And that's fine. You know, people's opinions and, and expectations of culture change. And I think that unfortunately, this was kind of really caught, not necessarily even unfortunately, this was just caught in the crossfire of that. Yeah, because obviously when it was being made at the time, it wasn't as prominent of a thing. But now it is and it came out after that. So yeah, and also like the you know, like the the main, the, the story is, is that um, someone has created this like amazing virtual worlds that everyone escapes to like virtual reality style, Oculus Rift and treadmill style virtual world. And the creator of it, who is like super socially awkward nerd, old guy kind of thing dies and he leaves essentially the keys to the whole place and whoever like wins his challenges wins control over this virtual world and the challenges are all steeped in like old nerd culture so it's all about like old atari games and old films and stuff like that and so that's that's why it's sort of that it's a little bit sort of awkward and unacceptable is that it's like the person that knows the most about all the nerd culture more than everyone else the person that has all that useless knowledge like wins everything 
But as a film, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that the visual effects were really good, almost at the point, like Tony and I both went to see it and she said she felt quite a little bit like motion sick because right. it jumps so much between, we didn't watch it in 3D, but it jumps so much between 3D and real life, mm. like lots of jumping between the two kind of perspectives. Yeah. And that was quite disorientating for her. I didn't really find that, um, but it was something that she she pointed out but the visual effects are absolutely amazing it is fun seeing all of the like easter eggs like all of the cameos in it so many cameos that i didn't recognize i mean because i'm not i'm not the biggest like cultural nerd but i did see you know i spotted tracer and i spotted like battle toads and stuff like that so that was quite fun it's fun in itself just to see the, all the easter eggs yeah and that's sort of that feels that's quite yeah that's definitely quite enjoyable the other thing about it actually this is probably not so relevant for our listeners but i found this really interesting it is a 12a and the first thing that Tony said when we came out was, wow, they got that 12A by the skin of their teeth. Why is it more of a 15, do you think? Yes, because there's a whole bit in it that is themed around The Shining, ah. which is not a 12A. No, it's not. <laughs> and they've got like, they've got like a shower, the shower scene and like blood everywhere. Right. And there's, and like Chucky is in it. And there's a, there's an F word. And like there's there's so much stuff and you're like, how did you manage to get this to be a 12a it's the spielberg magic isn't it that's the thing like they're going oh it's a steven spielberg thing it must be nice <laughs> it must be a 12a like i would feel uncomfortable about taking someone under 12 to go and see it i don't think that it's suitable at all and it was really interesting i know that's a very very side point but still interesting it did stick it did stick with us as a as a takeaway from the film was we were like wow that's a 12a like that's really unusual <laughs> Some of it felt unnecessary. The Shining, I don't think, is in the book. Right. That's like something that they just Added picked in. to put in it. Hmm. And and putting in one F word randomly, where it was completely gratuitous ah. for a joke, was, was actually jarring even as an adult. It didn't feel right. When you go in to watch a 12A... It didn't fit into the, the theme of what you were watching. Like the, Right. The... You're watching a kid's film. You know you're watching a kid's film. It's a 12A. It seems weird to have swear words on that level in that kind of film. And it's a little bit jarring. It's hmm. like you can't des- decide. Decide which you want to be. I had that with another film once recently where it was like it couldn't decide. It was like, oh, Hunger Games. Because Hunger Games, I think, is a 12A or a yeah, 12. Yeah, but it still tries to kind of be grown up and edgy. And I, and I was really annoyed at that. And I was like, it shouldn't have been. They should have just made it like 15 or 18. Yeah. And then they could have gone for it. And it would have been a better film as a result. Hmm. And you just, you're just like, you're just pandering to the certificates to make more money. 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, that is very important, I suppose, making sure that younger kids go to see it. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones with the most money because their parents have to go and take them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I guess I find, I guess I understand. But then I definitely see it from both sides. How much do you want to sacrifice money for the sake of your product? Especially if the right. product is there primarily to make money. It's not exactly a passion project. So... That, that's a that, that's a main that's a main show episode we could discuss <laughs> yeah definitely but you know the my sort of summary is i think it's a great film uh, i think it's definitely worth watching i'm not sure i would bother picking it up on blu-ray having now seen it yeah. i think i'm probably okay so just, one and done yeah like i've watched it i know what it's about it's a cool film definitely you know well worth seeing uh and if you haven't seen it pick it up on blu-ray and watch it or rent it or whatever definitely worth it cool thank you for the recommendations you are welcome. Thank you for telling me about Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah, it's worth seeing. You're not going to miss anything if you haven't. Just go and watch the original. <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't seen the original, so that is my recommendation to take away. I will go watch the original. 
Well, join us next week for a, uh, a main episode of Octal FM, and hopefully you like this episode of uh, Soundbite. Yeah. Ooh, it sounds good when we say it. Soundbite. Yeah. Soundbite. <laughs> Over.